Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Thought Leader Show. We are so excited to have you here again today. And also, we're excited to be chatting with our guest today, which is Dr. Christy Goodwin. Uh, She is an incredible author and speaker on uh, all things digital boundaries. Uh, She is. She is. And we are very happy to have her on the show. Uh, Dr. Christy Goodwin is a uh, a researcher, an author, you know, kind of a go-to commentator on uh, neuroscience and and sort of the combination between how technology is affecting our our performance and our ability to operate in the world. She has written uh, this book, Dear Digital, We Need to Talk. Uh, She's researched and sort of, you know, shared her thought leadership for many years about the ways in which tech shapes uh, children's and teenagers' well-being and health, and then uh, sort of adults' well-being and health. Um, and she's really, you know, an authority on this stuff. And and you yourself, I mean, you've read this book, darling. You've read this book, and and we've talked about it a lot, haven't we? Yeah. So how this interview actually came about was because I ordered uh, Dr. Christie's book, Dear Digital, We Need to Talk. And I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such important information. And I just thought I've really, I've got to reach out to her and see if she'll come on the show. And so I reached out to her and she was like, yes, I'll come on the show. And so, yeah, obviously I'm super excited to chat with Dr. Christie today. And hopefully you guys will get so much out of this as well. Um, If you're anything like me, and you use social media uh, and, you know, you're on your computer a lot and on your mobile a lot, then you will absolutely benefit from having some better digital guardrails, which Dr. Christie calls them. So, um, yeah, hopefully you love this episode as much as I did. So turn up the volume and get ready to welcome Dr. Christy Goodwin to the Thought Leader Show. Our guest on the show today is Dr. Christy Goodwin. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. We're so happy to have you on and, and you know, we've got so much to talk about. We're going we're gonna to dive right into it, but we're going to start with the same question we ask all our uh, guests um, about your own personal brand and ask you to describe what you think your personal brand is in a sentence or two, a couple of sentences. Okay. 
So can I say it has taken me years to land on this? Um, this succinct description wasn't something that happened overnight. I feel like I'm that Pantene ad that it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. Oh, yeah. It will happen. <laughs> so I, in and it's only happened in recent weeks, I've realised that I am a playful pracademic. And the reason that I say oh. that is because um, I was recently being introduced at a uh, conference keynote and the person who was introducing me had worked with me for many years. So he knew me quite well. And he made a faux pas when he was introducing me. He meant to say the word Christy is an academic um, who shares practical insights, but he got his words jumbled. He got a bit excited and said, she's a pracademic. And then oh. he looked at me. And he said, that actually is the better word. And he said, you're really practical and you're an academic. Um, Love it. It's, it's really interesting because for years, I've, I haven't had the language, I haven't had the meta language to describe what my brand is about, but it's all about being a conduit between research and science and translating that into practical, realistic and digestible information. I yeah. can say, I, you know, I was a frustrated academic. I love research and science, I love studying, I love information, but I became really frustrated as an academic because I saw all of this fabulous, brilliant research being done, and apologies to academics listening, but academics, we're hopeless at disseminating it to people on the ground, the people, you know, frontline workers. actually needed it, yeah. Yes, and so I could see all of this great research being done, but it was shared in peer-reviewed journals that no one else has time to yeah. read. It's shared behind gated academic conferences that no one else attends. And so I wanted to be that that conduit, so that, that pracademic, so let, let's make the, the academic, practical, realistic, relevant to people. And the playful side came about because in feedback um, from audience members, from clients that we worked with, um, we kept getting this recurring theme of Christy and the word actually used to offend me. Christy was actually funny um, or we laughed <laughs> way more than we thought it. I thought we would initially. And I don't know if it was People, again, if you've got a sort of doctor title or a professor title at the front of your name, I think there's a, an assumption, um, a misnomer that perhaps you're yeah. going to be dry, boring and dull. So playful pracademic is what I've landed on in, in recent times. And I feel like I'm finally home in my own shoes. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so, that's good. so good. And it, I, I love how you're, you know, it took you a while to land on it. And I think it is oh. an evolving thing, isn't it? And it does take a while. It's kind of like... You know, you do have to kind of almost um, practice and put yourself out there and refine that message a little bit before you sort of um, land on what it is that you stand for, right? Absolutely. And that is such sage advice. I think for anybody who is a thought leader, who is contemplating a, a thought leadership um, approach, being prepared for the long game and being prepared to evolve and iterate um, because, yes. I, I mean, research evolves, times are changing, you know, we're leading, living and leading in really turbulent times. So I think we have to be okay with evolving. And again, as our core message evolves, as we realize what resonates with audiences and clients. Um, so if anything, it is the long game and it is a constant process of, iteration and refinement. I look at what I started speaking about and my thought leadership and it has shifted and it has morphed and it has yes. got so yes. much more specific in recent times, but it has been a process. And, and that's 100%. really um, an important thing to remember, right? That often over time, your thought leadership becomes more focused. It becomes more niche. You might start with like, yes. you know, talking about personal finance, right? And then 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the track, you're talking specifically about, you know, household budgeting and savings or something like that, you know, yeah. like actually, and that's a good thing, I think, to remember. That's actually a good thing. I agree. And I think we need more thought leaders talking about this process of evolution. You know, we often see people after years and years of practice and refinement and discernment, and we see them at that pinnacle moment. But the years of hard work, the years of um, process of elimination that's taken place before that is often not seen. It's not witnessed. Um, and so I think as thought leaders, we're often under the misnomer that everybody sort of lands on their niche. And for me, um, I was only saying to a friend recently, I feel like I've just recently gone through business puberty. Um, you know, mm. that awkward transition stage, you're not quite sure how to say things, you're a little bit pimply, you're awkward around <laughs> other people, <laughs> um, you're not sure what's happening, there's all these changes happening, but you're Different looking feelings. back saying, yeah, what on earth is going on? Who am I? And that for me was, um, you know, really unsettling for someone who thought she knew exactly what she was talking about. Sure. Um, for that to have evolved, but for again, a doctor, right? Yeah, and and, and the, the most reassuring thing for me has been speaking to other speakers and thought leaders who have said, "I've been through the exact same thing." Um, that's yes. been really reassuring, and wow. to know that 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 niching down is a process. Um, and I think you have to figure out what doesn't resonate, what doesn't work, what content or ideas don't land with your audience, what doesn't have sort of a global appeal, what lights you up. And that can only be done, um, I think, through personal and professional inquiry, not through sitting down and doing a worksheet that says, this is my ideal yeah. niche that I'm going to talk about. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to put it into practice uh, in order to be able to continue to refine it. So, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much mm. for sharing. And, of course, I've got a copy of your book here, which everyone needs to read if they if they haven't already. It's called Dear Digital, We Need to Talk, a guilt-free guide to taming your tech habits and thriving in a distracted world. And I have to say that I have read this book and I'm like, I need to implement these things. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've been talking a lot about the, the practices and also reflecting a lot on our own use of of, of devices and, and you know just digital just you know digital content and media and um, it's been really eye opening and I think that certainly it's really left a very strong impression on us right. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, I love all your terminology, like digital guardrails. And I'm like, I need some better digital guardrails. <laughs> or some digital guardrails, maybe. That's yeah, some. I mean, I've, you know, I, I do do things like I've got no notifications um, right. and things like that. I think the, the main thing that gets me is Instagram scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but I do, yeah. It's, it's not, I want to reassure people because people often think they're the only ones struggling with their tech habits. Oh. This is a universal digital dilemma. And I often say our relationship with technology is complicated. I often say it's a little bit like the relationship I have with my husband. Hard to live with at times. Like It's really <laughs> hard to manage and, and tame. I couldn't imagine living without it. Yeah. And it's always turned on. <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. complicated <laughs> bit of this. Is and especially... I was just going to say, especially when you need it for business as well. Absolutely. Or and, yeah. and for thought leaders, we do. Yeah. You know, we've got the world at our fingertips now. You can download yeah. a PDF on your phone. Um, you, you listen to a podcast and you think that's a really fascinating study. I'd love to be able to find that. And, you know, you're, you're watching your kids at the park and you quickly do a Google search and you find that reference and then you send it to yourself. But when you're in your emails, you suddenly see there's 42 other interesting emails yeah. there. And that infinite scroll you were talking about before with 
Instagram, we have to remember it's it's no accident we get sucked into the digital vortex. There are a whole lot of very clever, persuasive design techniques that tech companies use. Um, years ago, we used to have to refresh. I don't know if you both remember when yeah. in Facebook and Instagram you used to have, remember you used to pull down Just and there was a bit of a lag time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that is a really deliberate design technique. It's the exact same action we used to use on old-fashioned poker machines when you'd pull yes. the lever and you'd wait. It wasn't an internet speed issue where it took them a while to refresh your content. It was building that sense of anticipation. I wonder what's going to come into my feed. I wonder what funny, interesting, irrelevant thing is going to fill my screen. The fact that we just keep going and going and going, um, I call it the state of insufficiency. In the online world, we will never feel finished. We will never feel done. There will always be another email, another Teams or Slack message, another Instagram post, another news feed, another tab we can open. We never, ever feel like we're done. And so the way the technology has been designed has been engineered to work against us. That's why we get stuck in that, that digital rabbit hole. It's so addictive. It's so, so addictive. <laughs> and, and, and it is. So speaking specifically about, you know, the, the audience, you know, people might be listening, thought leaders who are, you know, like you said, using digital as an intrinsic tool to build their practice, to build their body of work, to share their, their yeah. thought leadership. What are some of the ways, aside from the digital guardrails, um, what are some of the ways specifically for this group that you think, uh, you know, they can make digital work better for them rather than feeling like they're, uh, they're sort of, you know, being worked over by digital? Yeah, stop being a slave to the screen. That's really yeah. what I want to help people to do. And I want to be really transparent. This is not an anti-tech, do a digital detox, go laptopless no. message. I think with no, the ship sale, that message and, is redundant. Yeah, and that's clear from the book. That's clear from the yeah. book. You're, you're, you're sort of like saying, let's accept this and then let's work, yeah. let's make the most of it. Let's let's take yeah. charge rather than, you know, just kind of going with the flow too much. But um, yeah, yeah, what would you say to thought leaders? This is kind of a good way to sort of make it work for them. So I believe the super skill of the 21st century for all of us, but particularly for thought leaders, is we have to, I don't think IQ is important as it was previous in previous years. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anyone can be a thought leader. IQ is certainly an element. Um, in previous years, we've also talked about our EQ, our emotional intelligence, yes, but I believe yes. there's a new skill of the, the 21st century that's, that trumps both of those. And the skill that we all need to cultivate, but particularly as thought leaders, is our FQ, our focus quotient. Our focus is under threat. We are living in a digitally demanding world that's vying for our attention. Mm. Um, you know, the constant pings, alerts, notifications, the newest webinar you can watch, the PDF of the paper that you can download. There's just so many things tearing and, and vying for our attention that having the capacity to direct, orient and control your attention will be the skill that sets us apart. Um, so I often talk about how we have to build a fortress around our focus. Yes. So um, a key thing that I think makes such a, a huge difference, particularly for thought leaders, is identifying your chronotype. So your chronotype um, is biologically determined and it dictates when you are naturally most focused and alert during the day or night. And so we fall into roughly three categories. Um, we are larks, or, or, or we can be um, bears, lions, um, and owls. So we fall into these sort of three categories. Um, or wolves, I should say, sorry. <laughs> 
and we need to identify what our chronotype is. So we're either geared towards naturally waking up early in the morning, we are the lions or some people call them larks, um, we fire on all cylinders early in the day. Um, some of us are more what we call middle bears um, or, or bears and our energy seems to peak during the middle of the day. The traditional work day, the sort of nine to five that some of us have works nicely for that that particular chronotype and a, another proportion of us are wolves or we're sometimes referred to as owls and we fire on all cylinders late in the afternoon and into the night mm. there's nothing wrong with any of them and you will naturally this not only determines when you're most focused and alert but your chronotype also dictates when you biologically naturally want to fall asleep the trick is that when it's your chronotype's peak performance window, when you are most likely to be focused and alert, that is the time of the day where you have to build a fortress around your focus. You have to eliminate as many distractions as possible. This is when you should be analyzing data, writing a white paper, writing a blog post, um, creating content that requires sort of that, that co intense cognitive focus that we need as thought leaders. Um, then we need to be doing our less taxing work outside of those times where we can. And our productivity grows exponentially when we work with rather than against our chronotype. So even really pragmatic things, I often say, you know, put your phone somewhere where you can't see it. When you want to get that deep focused work done, research tells us that mm -hmm. even if our phone is on silent and face down, if it's in our line of sight, it is believed to drop our cognitive performance by around 10%. So put bluntly, seeing your phone makes you about 10% dumber. I can't be any more direct than that. It literally is a brain drain because we're sort of looking at it going, is it going to ping? Is, is it, it going to ding? Is there something? something? Yeah. yeah, or is there something? You know, when you hit that stuck point, you're writing the last sentence in, in the blog post or the white paper that you've been working on and you're at that mental stuck point, maybe you're doing some data analysis and you're not quite sure what data you should be capturing, that, that mentally challenging spot, what we often end up doing is picking up our phone because our phone represents what we call quick dopamine. I, yes. I can quickly scroll something, I can tick something off my to-do list, I can look at the weather, I can reply to a quick email and I get a quick hit of a, a quick win, a quick hit of dopamine. But sitting there and finishing that sentence, working on the statistical analysis I'm doing is slow dopamine. And so we pick up our phones. Um, so simple things like that, I think can be a real game changer for us as thought leaders. You know structuring the cadence of our day to work with rather than against our chronotype and trying to maximize that sort of peak performance window so we can do that deep focused work without distractions diverting our attention game changer i mean i i, I think that's 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 a really that's a really important priority and i i honestly i really i think the world's worst invention is email clearly it's something that just oh. I mean, unfortunately it's, it's in our lives so much but it really can take over um and so that's that's one for me that absolutely i really really struggle with that even though i try to like close it keep it out of sight in the back of my mind i'm like oh they're building up they're building up and so i really need to get to it so that's a real personal struggle for me and it is can i say for most knowledge workers email is still the achilles heel for most people Mm. Um, a, a Microsoft study was recently just published, uh, the 2023 Work Trend Index, and they are telling us that most knowledge workers are spending 57% of their day communicating, 43% of their, their day creating. Wow. We are now spending the preponderance of our days replying to emails, Slack or Teams chats or other communication tools. So we're doing the work about work 
and we only have a small proportion of our time to actually get the work done. Mm. You know, as, as thought leaders, that's not the best use of our time. Um, so I think we need to, to think about how do we come up with long-term tangible solutions? And I'm with you, email. If you haven't read Cal Newport, um, wrote a great book called The World Without, A World Without Email. Um, and he questioned some of our assumptions that it is a good communication tool. Um, yeah, I like use Utopia. <laughs> I use Asana, so like a project management tool. But yep. then it's like I just can't, still can't get away from email. So it's like yep. you kind of like, you know, you can use Asana, but then it's like you've got another yeah. platform that you need to check. Yeah, and that's <laughs> so, I think a real problem. And again, yeah. as thought leaders, especially if you are building a presence online, if you have social media platforms, yes. we now have a myriad of ways that clients, potential clients, colleagues, um, the general public can connect with us. And as communication platforms increase, you know, we've got DMs, we've got WhatsApp messages, SMS, we've got emails. You know, I've worked with some people recently who sent me um, multiple DMs to tell me that they'd also sent my EA an email. And oh, no. Just the, you know, the more ways that we can communicate, the harder it is for us to keep on top. So I think yeah. it's, again, about going back to what are the core platforms? Is it about having an autoresponder so you only perhaps check one of those platforms? Um, is it yes. directing people towards an email address that perhaps you could have a, an assistant or an EA or somebody man so that you're only doing the really essential emails? Um, because the more, and this is a really sobering statistic, the more we are distracted, and it doesn't matter if it's the ping of our emails, if we're doing some deep focused work and our partner walks in and, and interrupts us, or if our kids or our, our pet interrupt us, it doesn't matter if we're back in an office and chatty Kathy or talkative Tom saddle up to our desk just for a quick chat at the most inopportune times, regardless of how we are distracted, once we are distracted, research tells us to get back into that deep focus state takes the average adult around 23 minutes and 15 seconds. It's called the mm. resumption lag. So it's not only the distraction where we spend time talking to Chatty Cathy or Talkative Tom, it's the lag time. Um, hugely yeah. costly. So costly. I, you've you've re-inspired me actually because I really need to get my digital guardrails up again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I do, like I, I turn off email when I'm working on something. Um, yeah, great. So that, and, and I found, I've found that that's, you know, that's been a really great way to, to just basically get something done in minimum time because I do consulting work as well, where it's like, yeah. I'll bill hourly. Um, and so you do need to really focus. So yeah, that has helped me, but definitely it creeps up. <laughs> it does. And, and I think communicating, one of the things I do with teams is get them when we're establishing their digital guardrails to, first of all, articulate what are our tech expectations? Mm. You know, what is as, an, as a team, as a company, um, as a consultant, what is an acceptable internal email response rate? And when I ask mm. teams this, even teams working on a, a project together where you think there'd be some consensus the response to what's an acceptable internal it's email different. response rates varies from three minutes to three days in yeah. all seriousness. Yeah. Um, you know, articulating, um, having what I call a communication escalation plan so that when you are in deep focused work mode, when you log off at the end of the day or the night, how can you have that, that psychological detachment from your work so that if there is an urgent, time-sensitive, critical issue that you have to respond to, what's the one communication mode through which that will be communicated? 
We now know 28% of knowledge workers are working between 10 and 11 p.m. at night, A, to catch up on the work that they didn't do because they were interrupted throughout the day because of the myriad of digital distractions, mm. and B, it's the fear of missing out. What if my boss emails me yes. at 10 o'clock and all my colleagues start replying and I don't? Um, what if there's a time-sensitive critical issue and I wake up the next morning and I've missed it? Yeah. Um, so, so really taking the time, um, you know, have an autoresponder on your emails. Maybe it's an email signature explaining how quickly you get back to people, mm. um, especially if you're working on a project. And, you're going, you know, when I was writing the book, I had an autoresponder explaining um, that I was doing really long stretches of deep focused work. I had an email address for someone on my team who people could contact if there was an urgent um, response. But the interesting thing was I got so many emails back from people who got the autoresponder saying, thank you so much. I'm going to try something like this too. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, coming up what works for you, and it's different for all organisations. It will be different for people at different stages of their their, their work, their, their personal responsibilities. But yeah. taking the time to come up with those I think is just so important. Mm, so important. I always yeah. think like if someone, if, if something's urgent, someone will call me like on the telephone, you know, on my mobile phone. On the telephone yeah. <laughs> so I'm like just, yeah, but it's and, still so tempting to check. <laughs> and that's what I often say to people. Um, yeah. I worked with a, a team on a, a really important project recently and I did not want to use Teams and Slack. They suggested we use this mm. for after hours communications. I said to them, uh, and it was only a short period of time, so it wasn't a long scope of a project. And I said, please, if something really is urgent or important, here's my phone number, please call yeah. me and we'll yes. sort it out in yeah. the two months we worked together i did not receive one after hours phone call not exactly one. Not nothing one. is yeah. really ever and very urgent like <laughs> but that's yeah. what the online world's done because the yeah. information comes to us because we get an alert or a notification it tricks our brain into thinking this is urgent and important everything's urgent yeah exactly. why yeah. i often say we have ancient paleolithic brains we have brains that are biologically designed to go and forage hunt and get information totally mm. when information comes to us as it does in the digital world it tricks our brain into saying oh potential stress or danger i better yes. check if it's urgent and important and again you know your notification bubble by default is usually red red is associated yeah. with danger urgency importance yeah. the fact your your dms or the email tells you you know you've got 87 unread emails drives your behavior so mm. we're, we are <laughs> challenged <laughs> we are we are, we are. <laughs> Chris, um, the, Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, you, you right. go, Andres. I was going to move on to another question. So you yeah, go, no, I was going to say, um, let's talk um, a little bit uh, more about you and about your experience um, and about your personal brand, your thought leadership. I think you've already said to us, you know, you have that insight. You had that insight recently that you've sort of gone through business puberty and kind of niched down and focused your, your body of work even more. Um, how has that, what kind of deliberate steps have you taken to, um, to find your way, if you like, in, in, your, in your personal brand and your thought leadership? So definitely seeking um, mentorship, um, often paid and unpaid mentorship. Um, the biggest form of mentorship for me uh, has been working with um, experts, coaches, um, people who have a, a subject matter or skill expertise. Um, I have really um, solidly invested in seeking out expert advice and opinions from others. Would be that you know, with a branding expert, with a, a stylist, um, with a thought leadership expert. Um, so definitely seeking out that that expertise, but mentorship also from colleagues, um, from peers. 
one of the best things I have found for my professional development is watching other speakers, whether that's if I'm lucky enough yeah, to be at a conference on. and sitting in the back of the room, just to absorb, notice, see what works, what the audience responds to. I always strategically sit up the back so I can say, hey, they, they laughed at that. Or you could see their body language change when they maneuvered themselves this way or when they told this story or when they paused. Um, so observing other speakers and thought leaders um, share their craft, um, but also saddling up next next to other thought leaders and, and building rapport and professional relationships that way. Um, I will say as a, as a speaker, I have never seen an industry where people are so generous, so considerate, not all yes. of them, um, but the, the people I've been lucky enough to be close with who have openly, generously, willingly shared what they've done, how they've done it, what hasn't worked, what has worked, um, has been a huge source in um, supporting my brand to evolve over time. That's so good. And so is the core of what you do speaking? It is. Yes, yeah, so probably amazing. 90 ninety to 95% of my work is speaking. So amazing. In, and on you, stage or online. Yeah, on stage or online and um, like in, in for corporates as well as uh, conferences and things like that. Correct. So this has yeah. been part of the, the business puberty. Um, for many years, my, my business started off working in um, schools. So I was a, a – my background was as a teacher then I became the academic the frustrated academic yes. um, so my research studied how technology is impacting children and teens brains and bodies and so initially I spoke about digital well-being and digital distraction in schools with allied health professionals um, with parents um, teachers and also with students um, and it was presenting at those places you know educational conferences literally in schools speaking to parents teachers um, and students. And it was during parent seminars that parents would come up and say, so much of this is pertinent to me as an adult and my team. Do you ever speak in corporate workplaces? And I did what many thought leaders do. And on the surface said, yes, I definitely do. And yes, behind absolutely. the scenes, it was, you know, the duck scrambling and saying, how can I take this research? And over time, it has morphed more into doing corporate work, speaking about um, how technology is impacting us as adults, because none of us are immune to the digital pool. But again, it was a process of figuring out what landed, what work I really enjoyed. Um, I'm still doing some school work, um, but it's much less than what I'm doing in terms of corporate speaking. I love that. And it's such a beautiful evolution of a career. So it's yeah. like starting out in teaching and then going towards that academia and then speaking out in public and at conferences and, and in corporates to on such like such a really important topic that, you know, it's clear that you're really passionate and knowledge, so, so knowledgeable about. And I, I just love that so, so much. How has your personal brand, do you think, supported you with that evolution? And how has your personal brand kind of changed over time to support the work you do now? Yeah. And I want to point out, because again, I would hate for someone to see what I'm doing now and think, wow, this you know happened overnight. It, as I've repeated multiple times on this episode, it has been iterative. It's been awkward. I haven't known what I'm doing at different times. Yes. Yes. Um, at times, I've tried to straddle both both audiences, you know, working in with education and with corporates. At times, I felt like I've had two businesses. So it's only in recent times where I've really felt like I've started to really narrow down my niche. And that that has interestingly, as I, you know, it's that 
um, what do we say, um, not mile wide, inch deep, but mile deep, inch wide knowledge. Inch wide, yeah. And this is what I'm saying. This is my zone of genius. This is what's landing with audiences. This is what lights me up. Um, and for many years, I felt a lot of guilt about leaving education. I loved being a teacher and I knew from a little girl, I was the, the child who lined her dolls, her siblings and cousins up um, on the bed or in any room I could corner them in and I would teach. I just love teaching. <laughs> and when I thought I'd left teaching, it was only when a girlfriend said to me, you're still a teacher, you're still teaching. You're just teaching yeah. 100%. In a different, like, and this is what I've always loved. So it was an iterative process. Um, and I found that speaking begets speaking. The more speaking you do, the more audiences you're exposed to. Um, in all transparency, I have not done any proactive marketing in terms of outreach. It has all been inbound marketing, which I know is a, a huge um, blessing um, yeah. and something I'm very grateful for. But I find that the more you speak, um, the more you refine your craft um, and then the audiences evolve and follow on from that so but it is a long game I really I, I wish someone told yeah. me this you know 12 years ago when I was starting out because early on I thought I was failing I, I'm like why don't I have this big audience why don't what you know why aren't I speaking to 10,000 people for every keynote it's it's the it long game. game it, it yeah. really is and that's I know that's not a sexy topic that people often want to hear like we love the overnight success stories um we love the Cinderella stories the reality for me wasn't that, but I'm. Well, those so are fairy glad. tales. Like well, those is. are de those are deliberately fairy tales. Yeah. They're not. They're not true. And I think a lot of the things that we hear from the people that we've had the good fortune of speaking to on on the show is that in many cases they have stopped and started almost sometimes many yeah. times on along their journey before they've they've sort of to your point niched down or just kind of found the right angle that a you know aligns with with their values and b has an audience. Uh, yep. for their for their content and their thought leadership to kind of serve as well and so that process is just the natural organic process obviously you know we can help it along with deliberate steps and decisions Absolutely. that we make definitely we should do that but you know also there's challenges along the way and, and that's sort of you know also important to to, to recognize and actually what, what about you in, in your path what sort of challenges and kind of mindset issues have you had to kind of adapt to to sort of you know progress forward and take advantage of those opportunities when you've had them Look, I'll be really honest, I made a, a very poor choice um, with somebody who looked like coming to help my business um, and it, it wasn't a good fit. Um, I can't go into the, the exact details, um, but it ended up costing me over six figures worth of money to rectify a, a wow. poor decision on my behalf. And I distinctly remember the day, um, I was going to say sitting, I was laying in the kitchen floor, hysterical. Um, I'd rung my husband and said, I, I, I'm quitting my business. The accountants rung me and told me I don't have a financially viable business. Uh, we were having legal proceedings taking place to try and rectify the, the issue that had happened. And my sister rang me and she said to me, Christy, you've got a choice. You can let this other person walk away and you, you can let them have this moment or you can become so successful that they will regret that they did this to you. And I took option one to begin with for the first two hours <laughs> after that phone call. And then there was something, there was a fire in my belly that lit and I thought, yes, I'm going to be successful in spite of this. Um, I'm going to use this as a catalyst to evolve and to improve things and to learn from this mistake. Um, and it was a pivotal moment in time. Um, I often say, you know, being a thought leader 
is not for the faint-hearted. It is the biggest, most profound professional and personal development you'll ever do. And I think mm. there's a symbiotic relationship between the I two of them. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I look at how I've evolved as a person. Um, I look at how I've evolved as a, a speaker and a thought leader. And I'm flabbergasted at times because it has been a huge process, but I wouldn't have got to where I am now if I hadn't been through all those ugly, you know, uncomfortable moments, the challenges, I can hand on heart say I am where I am because of those things um, and in some strange way I'm deeply grateful for having to had, you know, gone through the mud to come out the other side. It's almost, I, I completely um, agree. And I, you know, I, when you were talking, I was just like, yep, same in my business, same in my business, same in my business, you know, cause my business, I mean, my business is only four years old full time. Yeah. Um, but I went from corporate and I pretty much did stuff on the side of corporate for seven mm -hmm. years before well actually done. stepping. Yeah. Before actually getting the courage to step into my business full time. And I say step into, I feel like it wasn't really a step. <laughs> It was like <laughs> dipping the toe. <laughs> yeah, well, it was dipping the toe, and then it and then it felt like a huge leap over a mountain or something like that. But some whiplash um, thrown in, <laughs> some whiplash. But yeah, it's I totally was like, oh, you know, I'll give it twelve months and see how I go, and expecting things to be like, you know, all completely successful and everything by then. And you know, it didn't. It, it wasn't like that. It was you know really challenging as well. But, you know, I've managed to make it work and I actually love it. I actually yeah. love how it's turned out. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a sweet but it's yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it's a sweet of victory because once you yes. get there, you've had, oh, like, you, time, you know, yeah. I, I've built a business and had three children who, you know, I cared for most of the time. And I yeah. look back and say, oh, my goodness, that was hard. Would I do it again in a heartbeat? Like, yes. I, I think, and it's that sweet victory. Um, and I'm not saying we have to subscribe to hustle and burnout because I don't, um, but I think it's those challenges, it, it's the, um, the frustrations, it's the hurdles that you climb over that make getting to wherever you go next so much sweeter. Um, and I think the, the trick is figuring out what success really looks like for you. Um, and not subscribing to vanity metrics, not subscribing to what everybody else is doing, because I know, again, part of this business puberty I've been going through, I have totally redefined what success to me looks like. Um, yes. <laughs> that has been so exciting and terrifying. Me too. Me too, 100%. And it constantly evolves as well. Like each year I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I loved that. That worked. Yep. That didn't. Get rid of that. Totally. Um, embrace this. Try this. Um, yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. So uh, should we do the Thought Leader 5? I think it's Let's time, it. yeah. yeah. It's time. Okay. Shall, shall I do it this time? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so Christy, we're going to ask you five rapid fire questions just to round this out. So, first one is what's your favorite book or podcast? Hands down, Andrew Huberman's podcast, The Huberman Lab. Love it. Oh, what's that about? I haven't heard of that one. He's um, a professor and he shares science backed information. Um, he's brilliant at being that conduit between research and science and translating it into what he calls everyday science. Um, 
huge fan. If I was to have a, a an intellectual leave pass, um, Andrew Huberman <laughs> would be on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'll have to check it out. a party. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, what's one thing you do to unwind and relax? So this one will sound counterintuitive. Um, as someone who gets stuck in their head all of the time, I have to do something body-based. Um, yes. So for me, uh, it's one of, and it's, I have four that I pick from facial, massage, ice bath, or sauna. Anything oh, that forces me to get into my body and stop thinking, it's when ideas germinate, it's when I relax, it's when I literally, like the brain switches off. So anything mm. body based, somatic, um, somatic, huge benefits. Yeah, I love great that. Great call. Oh, 100%. Good me call. Too. <laughs> uh, getting into your body can be so challenging. Even like when I'm uh, doing yoga, I'm like still thinking, yeah. thinking, thinking, but it's like, yeah, even like a cold shower or something, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, I can't think about anything else except how freezing this water is. Absolutely. <laughs> but the funny thing is, once you've done those things, your ideas germinate. You know, I often say, where do you, like, none of us, where do our best ideas come? It's never in your inbox or in your Excel spreadsheet. It's it's in the shower. It's going for a swim. It's going for a walk, going on holidays with no Wi-Fi. In the good old-fashioned days, you know, remember we we went on a plane with no Wi-Fi. We enter what neuroscientists call the default mode network. We daydream. Um, 100%. But we don't get that opportunity much these days, so it's about forcing that opportunity through anything like that where you're just forced not to think. Yeah, creating it. Love it. What's up? Speaking of jumping on a plane. Oh, your dream travel (laughs) destination. Sorry, I was like, what are you talking about? Are you going away? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll go. No, we are going to uh, Perth in next, uh, yeah, next month. (laughs) Oh, lovely. But anyway, (laughs) um, what's your dream travel destination? I've got two because I I went I, I Instagram I have a um, my saved folder destinations that I'd love to go to and I had a look today and I'm like which one trumps and they literally I've saved equal number of posts so I'm like I'm just oh. gonna have to go to both uh, one is Italy I just have a strong desire um, to go to Italy uh, yeah. and the other one is Lake Hillier over in WA it is oh, a yes. pink pink yes. lake. Now, someone whose brand is obsessed and centered around pink, I feel like it could be a tax write-off if I can convince convince my accountant um, that going to visit a pink lake is justified. Um, <laughs> there's something that draws me to that place too. Uh, I, I think you're on safe ground with the with the tax office there. Thank you. I'll yeah. quote absolutely. you on that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just a couple of meetings over there, you'll be yeah, totally. absolutely. <laughs> um, love it. Okay. Chocolate or cheese? Chocolate. Yes. Sweet That's too. the right answer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I'm both, but cheese number one. But no, Andre's is no. always chocolate. No, chocolate. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have one golden nugget of advice for our listeners? You've got so many in your book, so everyone needs to pick that up. But just one uh, beautiful takeaway today. My key message is that we need to tame our tech habits so that we're not a slave to the screen. Technology should be our servant, not our master. And I think for so many of us, if we were brutally honest with ourselves, you know, we, we're, we're its master. You know, we salivate yeah. like Pavlov's dogs every time we get an alert or notification. You, you know, we're constantly picking up the phone, every bit of white space we've got. I think, you know, 
we research tells us the average Australian will spend 17 years of their life on their phone. It's just an inordinate amount of time. I don't yeah. want us to get to the end of our life and say, oh, I really regret I how much 17 time. 17 years back. I want, yes. And so I, I just think now is a critical moment in time where we can start to say, what is this complex relationship that I am going to have with technology? How do I want to use it? When do I want to use it? Where do I want to use it? For how long? They're those sort of digital guardrails yeah. we need to come up with because the technology is not going to become any less appealing, any less addictive, especially as we now look at AI and the metaverse and you know all the other technologies on the horizon. Absolutely. It's not going to get any easier. If anything, it'll get harder. So I think we have to take back that control. Our boundaries need to get better. They do. Big, big fence. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. Chrissy, where can people find out more about you? So the irony isn't lost on me that I talk about taming your tech habits and then I tell you (laughs) (laughs) that I share information online. Um, But hopefully it's pragmatic, helpful information that will get you to question your digital habits. So um, I have a digital... um, home at um, drchristygoodwin.com. Um, I also try to share bite-sized bits of information on predominantly on Instagram um, and LinkedIn. Excellent. Love it. Thank you, Dr. Christy Goodwin, for joining us on the Thought Leader Show. Pleasure. Very enlightening chat. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you both. I appreciate it. We just got off the blower with Dr. Christy Goodwin, and Jesus me, what a what a what a sort of mind-altering conversation that was. I think you know, obviously, um, you know, we've 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 been looking at the book and we've been talking about it ourselves uh, and about some of those habits that we could sort of improve. But I think there's a lot of work to be done when it comes to taming those tech habits, as she says. There is so much work to be done. Even when I was reading the book, I was like, yep, I need to implement that. Yes, I need to do that. Uh, Yes, I need to do that. Um, There's so, so many um, incredible takeouts. But I think one of them would be, one of the key things for me was really um, not having your phone sitting there, even if it's on silent and upside down, just not having your phone sitting there all day next to you. Because honestly, what I really... Yeah, because when I really think about the amount of times that I do just pick it, I I get bored at my computer and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like pick up and scroll Instagram. But then it's like that that's half an hour or something or even 15 minutes that's gone that I could have used that to be productive or to actually just take a proper break. I think the amount of time that we that we dedicate to our devices, like she said, um, you know, towards the end of of our chat, Christy said 17 years of our life. I mean, that's. That's a long time. That's depressingly that is, long time. Yeah. I feel like I, I make myself, I try and make myself feel better by saying, well, I do a lot of my business on my phone. Yeah, but yeah, still, yeah. like, it's still a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's a, it's a lot of yeah, time. It's I think a lot of time. Some really good lessons from a thought leadership point of view 
in particular around sort of using digital, you know, sort of making it a tool that you use and sort of how you kind of put some structure around that with the guardrails, with those kind of, you know, um, ways around sort of building, um, you know, protecting your focus time as well is really important, you know, as you pointed out, often you're sort of doing it on the side of like a full-time job or another business. So it's really important to use our time to the best of our ability uh, as thought leaders to make sure that we can, you know, create um, the work that we need to create, really kind of put the priority on that. And then I also really enjoyed um, Christy's own story about how, you know, she had to kind of found that she had niched down, really focused her thought leadership over time that, have, that had evolved through business puberty. I forgot to ask her if she gets business acne, actually. But um, I think that was <laughs> I'm sure really everyone does, right? Everyone, everyone does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was a really interesting um, mm. point to make that actually as we sort of grow with our personal brand and our thought leadership, we actually become less generalist and more mm. specialised. And, and maybe actually that's the real strength of good thought leaders is when – that thought leadership is is more specific and less general. And I love that she kept it real by saying, you know, this has evolved over time. It's not something that I just, you know, launched overnight and it was a huge success. It's, yeah. you yeah, know, it goes absolutely. through iterations. I think sometimes, you know, even I, like when I stepped into, into business, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's going to be exactly how I want it in 18 months or two years even, or even oh, yeah. now. And it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm just still at the start of my journey four years in. So... Yeah, it, there really is iteration upon iteration. And yeah, so don't look at anyone else's end game and compare yourself. You know, if you are just starting out or even if you're five years in, it's like, you know, these things do take time, but the journey is what actually makes you the person that, you know, that can that can really embrace the the goal, you know, when you actually do achieve the goal. Yeah. Um, it's It's the journey there that actually makes you... I'm so much more appreciative of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. If you haven't read uh, Christy's book, it's called Dear Digital, We Need to Talk. Uh, and uh, like she said, check her out at drchristygoodwin.com. Uh, and that was just a really, really enlightening conversation. I loved it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit becksands.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. Eat it. Eat the microphone. <laughs> I feel like you need to eat the microphone too. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's for you, Nick. You're welcome.